You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast today. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, and I am joined by Adam Jones, Dave Prentice, and Chris Beasley to discuss a disappointing weekend for Everton and Rafa Benitez. Myself and Adam were at the Etihad Stadium yesterday, along with Phil Kirkbride, to witness what ended up being a quite long 90 minutes, Adam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> I suppose it like it was a result that probably a lot of people expected, wasn't it? Getting beat by Man City, obviously Everton haven't had the best record going to the Etihad in particular over the last few years. Uh, is it like 2010, our last win at the Etihad now? Which is, yeah. It just seemed like an absolute lifetime ago now, doesn't it? But it was just the manner of doing it, wasn't it? I mean, I know you can... You, can, you can't really account for the kind of injuries that Everton have got, the suspensions on top of that, the fact that you know there's going to be another injury and suspension that we'll probably talk about a little bit later from that game as well. But to to down tools and roll over in front of Man City in such a pathetic manner, from right from the first whistle, really. I mean, Anthony Gordon had that shot inside about like 20 seconds. Even, even then, Man City went straight up the pitch and nearly scored themselves. Uh, and from that point on, Everton just never really gave it, just gave it a go. You know, the, the pressing all over the pitch was absolutely off. Uh, huge gaps in defence, uh, not clinical enough whenever they were trying to break on the counter-attack. And there just never seemed to be any sort of structured game plan to try and have a go at Man City. I, I don't know what Everton's plan was to either keep Man City out or to try and cause them a few problems themselves. It was like a training game for Man City. I know we, we use the, the phrase, oh, they didn't get out of first gear a lot, but they really didn't. They, they, like, throughout that second half, they weren't trying and they were still walking through Everton's midfield, which I think is pretty scandalous, to be honest. And, you, you know, I think that's probably why uh, a lot of Evertonians have woke up on this uh, Monday morning as we're recording, feeling pretty demoralised and, you know, in general, disconnected with the, with the players on the pitch because... There was nothing from those players there that suggested that you know they were they were connected with the Everton fans. They they didn't put in a performance that the Everton fans can really relate to, and I think that's the that's the uh, that's the most disappointing thing when you look back at it. Really, Preno, you said before we started recording that you were going to be the man to bring a sense of perspective to this today. Manchester City will obviously make better teams than Everton look below average this season, but do you think yesterday highlights the the bad cards that Rafa Benitez has been drawn this season. Those are underlines uh, how difficult you know the, the job is that he's inherited, you know, the squad that he's inherited. And I can't really remember a season in, in recent years where we seem to have suffered so much. Now, is it misfortune when you have so many players injured, or is it you know so bad medical practice at the club? I don't know. You know, so obviously Rafa has already tried to make changes in that department. 
to try and you know sort of alleviate that, to try and improve matters. And he did that successfully at Newcastle. But at the moment, he's struggling you know, with what he's got. I mean, again, even at the weekend, you know, despite having had so many important players missing, Tamari Gray, it was part of that, you know, sort of plan that he put in place, which was to defend deep and try and hit them with pace on the counter. And it looked relatively bright. Goes off injured after, um, you know, sort of breaking into the box and trying to get a shot on target in what looked like it might have been a threatening moment. So he's missing after 20 minutes. And then it's almost seemed like typical that Richarlison, who was, you know, sort of back in the side again after an injury absence, been missing for a month and still manages to back up a fifth book in the season and is now missing for what is absolutely huge game that we've got to get something from this weekend at Brentford. So it underlines again, you know, the problems that the manager has to deal with. I mean, we said in the pod last Friday, you know, what, what's the team going to be? And we named it because there's nothing else he could have done. There's absolutely no options available to him. I mean, we mentioned that you know, maybe Alex Iwobi could come in. You know, Iwobi was on the pitch for 25 minutes and I think I sworn three times at the television, uh, giving the ball away in dangerous areas uh, defensively and then giving an opportunity to break you know, with penetration um, in a dangerous area and he just overhit it and you know, his technique let him down. And it's just so immensely frustrating. I mean, what Adam said earlier resonated a bit with me in this. You know, Everton fans accept that, you know, so Manchester City is a possibly the best squad in the Premier League. They play a ridiculous level, you know, so a, you know, football that very few clubs can match. You can try and match them in terms of work rate and energy. And Evertonians will tend to accept that and, you know, be realistic enough to accept, you know, the shortcomings of their side in other areas if they're seeing absolute, you know, so 100% commitment. I liken it to the Dennis Strachwell-Ersey effect, where we know he wasn't a player, but he gave absolutely everything. And the fans sort of, you know, sort of, you know, talked to him as a result of that. And we didn't see that enough uh, yesterday. We just didn't see enough effort from enough players in enough positions to warrant that backing from the supporters. And, uh, you know, the way modern football is, if you're going to press, you've got to press as a unit. You can't do it in ones and twos. It's got to be an entire team effort, a team ethic. And that's missing at the moment. And the manager can't change it because he hasn't got any options, because you know, he hasn't got players that he can bring in saying, OK, you're not doing your job, you're out, somebody else is going to do it. Because he literally has run out of options at the moment. It's a deeply, deeply frustrating situation. And it's not going to get better anytime soon. Look at the fixture list that's looming. Um, there's just a couple of games in there which are massively high-profile games that we need to get something from, one of which is this Sunday at Brentford. These Prenos alluded to it there, the, the difficult run of fixtures that Everton are heading mm. into. He, he calls it, you know, a, a deeply frustrating time, but is it also becoming a, a Woodian time? We, we were talking about it in, in the car home last night, but, you know, mm. you, you don't pick up points in some of these fixtures coming up and you, you're very much then are Everton now in a position where we're almost looking over our shoulders and, and not very far into the season. Maybe not quite there yet, but you know it's a lot of fixtures coming up over the typically busy festive period, like there always is. So another month down the line, if they've if you know if they've not turned things round by then, they certainly will be doing. Won't they? I think the problem they had even prior to yesterday's game, which of course, like I said, it's the, it's the manner of defeat which hurts, said, isn't it? It's the fact that, that again, it's another limp display against City. They've thrown in the towel. They've not gone down fighting. Is that? Even going into that City game, they've put themselves under pressure because they've not got the points from the sort of matches you'd expect them to get the points from. So going into this difficult run of, like I said, obviously the next two home games, um, the derby match against Liverpool and then Arsenal, I mean, yeah, as the other 
fellas have said that it's absolutely imperative to get something from Brentford just just to stop the rot and get get a few points on on the board um, before you go into these games because yeah they're not there yet but you know if it continues the way it is and unfortunately you've got the Rafa Benitez situation whatever you think of Rafa or not um, and I'm sure like I said that most people think it'd be absolutely ridiculous to think of another change of manager now or even like to put their finger of blame at him the fact he is who he is. And if he doesn't have something going into that derby match, I mean, that could get really nasty. Adam, it feels like over the last couple of years we have been repeating this kind of formula, but looking at those kind of runner games, where where are the next points coming from? This game coming up against Brentford at the weekend, which we'll talk about in more detail later on the week, but for now, reflecting on the defeat yesterday, it really does make the Brentford game, which you know we never thought we'd be saying at the beginning of the season, but it almost becomes a six-pointer. Well, it makes it massive, doesn't it? Like I think there's very little doubt that it's become. Uh, I think it's a must-win uh, in my head. It's it's certainly a very much a must-lot not lose. You cannot you cannot go and get beat by Brentford now because then you're going into. Uh, the Merseyside derby, you've got games against Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, even Leicester are going to cause a lot of problems for us going forward, aren't they? So, you know, the the next few games are just looking pretty, pretty bleak, to be honest. But uh, going back to something that Preno was talking about before, like the injury situation that we had for yesterday's game, I think the, the thing that sits badly with me, though, is looking at how many of those players would be starting, even if we had a full-strength team. At least eight of them are starting if yeah. we're if we're full strength there. Like when we were missing maybe Calvert Lewin, who, let's be honest, in a game like yesterday, he wasn't really going to make much of a difference. He would have won a few more headers, would have held the ball up a little bit better. I don't think he would have made much of a difference. And then Ducore obviously is a massive miss. And Yeni Mina, you know, he's been you know pretty up and down over the course of his Everton career. I think he's on high at the minute, but he's been very inconsistent over the course of his Everton career. So if we're relying on just like those three players and suddenly suddenly that's the kind of performances we're turning out when they're not there. Yeah, I just I just don't see how that computes in my head. There's still the likes of Allen would still be would still be playing if we were if we were full strength. But I think he was one of Everton's worst players at the weekend. I think he had a really, really poor game. You know, the likes of Luca Dean would still be playing and he's he he seems to have lost any semblance of how to defend as well as attack. And we've got, you know, Seamus Coleman's the club captain. I don't think he had a great game. You know, Jordan Pickford was a bit, a little bit erratic. You know, he made some good saves in the second half, but his his distribution in the first half, in particular, was pretty, was pretty poor. So, you, and you know, I'm not trying to pick out individuals, but you can go throughout throughout the pitch there, and there's still eight players that would be starting in in a full strength Everton team. So I, I just don't see how. You know, just just and I know they're three important players and the three of Evans' best players to be missing, but just taking out those three players makes that much of a difference. I think I just think that's there's something there's something badly wrong going on there in my head. Dave, you, you spoke about Sweden at the television watching Alex Awobi. What what was your reaction to Alan kicking the ball out of play when we had possession? Only for City to score. A couple of minutes later, it just seemed totally bizarre that moment, didn't it? He did. He had a, a really, really suspect game. I mean, the clearance that led to one of the goals. 
the bizarre moment where he kicked the ball against his own shin to give Manchester City a corner. It was just one of those days where nothing went right for him. And, you know, you'd imagine he's missing the presence of Decore alongside him. Uh, you know, it's, it's midfield-minded, if you like, because, you know, so the pair of them together, you know, so dovetailed as a real partnership really well at the start of the season. And, um, yeah, you know, so you take one player away and that impacts, you know, on so many other players around him. And, yeah, I take what Adam says there, you know, so about the players that, you know, are missing, you know, only three senior players, if you like, you know, you know you just think that if other fringe players were also available, I think the likes of Andre Gomez, maybe Tom Davis, that just puts pressure on other players in the squad that have to raise their game a little at the moment. Uh, you know, so to know that they're going to keep their place. At the moment, too many players are coasting. Too many players know they're going to play regardless uh, because there's only kids, basically. You know, and even kids are getting a sniff at the moment. I mean, Tyler Onyango came on for his, you know, so his debut. And that... Okay, that's obviously a result of what he's been doing on the training pitch. But, you know, in a normal world, would he have probably done enough to have earned that, you know, so call up? Probably not. He'd probably still be left waiting. But it's because things are so thin on the ground at the moment. Uh, he's getting a, a look in, you know, so Lewis Dobbins, like, you know, so appeared a couple of times. Ellis Sims has been on the bench. You know, these youngsters are getting promoted probably a little bit ahead of schedule because of the problems the, uh, the squad's got. And it's difficult not to try and paint too bleak a picture because, you know, it is a bleak picture at the moment. I mean, Rafa, in, in that chat we had with him about a month or so ago, said that he wanted to try and improve all elements of the football club, um, just fractionally, you know, so small fractional improvements in every area of the football club, which would contribute to, you know, to a big improvement across the whole. And he's tried to do that and he started to do that in some areas. Uh, you know, obviously he's made changes in the medical department already. But, it's, it's it's too little at the moment. And, you know, he's going to need an awful lot of time to try and improve things across the board. And, you know, we're only a couple of months into the season and he's, he's finding it an absolute toil because he's inherited such a mess. It's, it, I'm, I'm trying to offer some crumb of comfort and I can't at the moment because there's nothing you can do to actually try and reassure people other than that it's going to be, you know, sort of quite a, a grim month or two until we get to January. We don't even know what you're going to have to spend until then. I mean, I know... You know, we were reassured to a degree uh, when that was at Liverpool University part of that, you know, sort of, uh, research work recently suggesting that Emerson would have no money to spend and the club were very, very quick to get in touch and say that whilst they don't want to be, you know, sort of quoted than any figures, that was incorrect. You know, so we can only, you know, surmise that there will be, you know, some some money for Africa to spend in January, quite on who I don't know or quite how much I don't know. But, you know, he needs to spend something as a matter of urgency. You know, the problem then, though, of course, is January is such an awful market to try and, you know, sort of buy in. It's almost like just putting a bit of a stick in plaster over the problems until next summer. You know, so when you can make significant changes and we're already looking ahead till next summer, we've written off this season already. It's, it, it, it's bleak, like I say. Sorry, I can't really offer much in the way, you know, sort of crumbs of comfort at the moment. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. As Preno was saying there, because I think one of the reasons, and, and Adam kind of broached the subject as well, that one of the reasons why I think it is so bleak at the moment is that 
not only are the players missing and, and everyone kind of understands that Everton and Rafa Benitez are in a difficult position, but the players who are left and, you know, a lot of who are still meant to be international footballers or established Premier League footballers just aren't performing at the at the levels we expect. And uh, I think a lot of people yesterday were also disappointed with, you know, if you're not performing your best, if, if you're a little bit out of form for whatever reason, the, the effort is the bare minimum, the the desire, you know, the, the will to kind of want to work for the, the supporters in the stands who kind of fill out away grounds every other week. And, and that really does seem to be lacking at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think Adam used that word disconnect, didn't he? And I think that's what a lot of people are feeling. I was obviously I'm speaking to, I did, spoke to Michael Ball earlier about his column. He was at the game. And, he, you know, even as a former Everton player himself and lifelong Evertonian, he, he's feeling exactly the same way. We, we understand, we've talked about this off-air in recent days, um, we understand that Everton are not in a position where they can be vying for titles as much as, you know, they've done it in the past. You know, that is not a realistic expectation at this moment in time. But there is a bare minimum that you expect from an Everton side when they when they go out there. And like you said, it's, it's those attributes of the, the, the commitment and that wholeheartedness, just the pride in the jersey, for want of a, a better word, really, to sort of sum it up. They, you, they've got to put a shift in, you know, to, to just leave nothing out there when, once you're done. Once, you know, those 90 minutes are over, you know, you've given... You're all, and hopefully there's been enough quality in there. But if there hasn't, you know, you you can't be found wanting. But this squad as a whole, as I said we've talked about individuals, but as a whole, they they just seem lacking in that department. And so many times when you've sort of thought, oh, we get a reaction yeah. from the player, or you know, they can bounce back and do something after a disappointment, and 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 they don't get that. We're not saying that they they don't care, but they just don't seem bothered enough or capable enough to, to do something about it in, in, in these situations? Is that a mentality issue? It, see, it seems to be. I mean, people like Fabian Delph were brought to the football club to offer that sort of leadership qualities, and there's no doubt that he, he does that. And, you know, you've got people like Seamus Coleman leads by example, but it doesn't seem to be enough because there's far too many times here that they're, they're lacking those bare minimum then there's teams around them who are on similar resources we know that they can't compete with the big six and the big six are in a league of their own financially but you know they'd like to West Ham United and then obviously uh, they've had a bit of a up and down this season Leicester City but certainly over the last few years Leicester City teams who have you know outperformed Everton on, on similar resources and then if Newcastle United are able to survive this season obviously they're going to be um, stepping up um, next summer and then it's almost like Everton have have missed their opportunity. And, uh, you know, other than the the new stadium, which, you know, fans have almost been joking about that, saying, oh, I don't want to hear anything about the stadium this week because, you know, it's almost like oh, we'll talk about that because things are so rotten on the pitch. And, you know, it's it, it just the cycle repeats itself, unfortunately. And if you thought we would come away with the, the minimum damage, if you can call it that, Adam, of just failing to take any points back to Goodison Park. We also conspired to lose Damari Gray to injury and then Richarlison to what can only really be described as a petulant yellow card. It's not even just losing two more players. It's it's, it's the two players that we've lost. It's just, as Preno said, it, you're struggling this morning to pick any light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Damari Gray, let's, let's just hope he's... Injury isn't as as bad as it looked. Uh, like he initially tried to 
looked like he wanted to try and run it off, didn't he? But, you know, with those kind of, you know, muscle, was it an adductor injury, Rafa Benitez said, after the game. So, you know, you can't, you, you can't be too careful with those. He had to, he had to come off and he's going to be assessed at some point in the week. And let's just hope that he's uh, he's not going to be out for too many games at the at the very least. And he can be back on the pitch soon because he has been a really influential player for Everton over the course of this season, not just in terms of the way he attacks. And, you know, he's I think he's really direct with the ball at his feet, which is something that, you know, Everton fans have you know really, really took to him with, to be honest. Uh, it, it's that kind of you know, direct, fast attack and play that Everton want to see. From, uh, from all their players, but uh, it's been his work off the ball as well, which I think has really impressed me. And it's something that I remember seeing a lot of reports, you know, from people who'd watched them at Leicester and, you know, a couple who'd watched them at Bayer Leverkusen as well. And they picked up on that as that maybe being, you know, a little bit of a downside to his game. But I don't think we've seen any sort of sign of that in terms of uh, his, his Everton displays. I think he's been, uh, I think he's been really strong in that sense. Uh, Brandon's phone's just absolutely <laughs> caught me off in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Some of never seen what would you believe? But, I'll call <laughs> uh, but yeah, so losing Damari Gray is obviously something in itself. And then losing Richarlison, I think, yeah, like the way that Everton lost Richarlison was, you know, really, really frustrating to see. It, it came, uh, Andros Townsend got challenged by Somebody, uh, I, I can't remember who he got challenged by, but like he was, he was claiming a free kick. I think it would have been a soft free kick if I'm completely honest. If Everton would have got that one, uh, Richarlison clearly, clearly did not agree. He thought it was certainly a free kick, and he's gone lunging in uh, a little bit late on Kyle Walker. He can have no complaints about the fact that he got a yellow card for it. I think you were, you were to describe it was spot on. It was petulant. Uh, it was, it was just a silly, silly challenge and. You know, he, he's surely known that he's on on some sort of suspension, and now he's going to be missing what is a really important game. And you know, it, it's not even the fact that we've lost two, you know, key, an, another two key players, but we've lost them in essentially the same area of the pitch. You know, in those in those attacking areas where over the last couple of games, yeah, granted we looked a little bit better defensively against Spurs, but creatively we really didn't show all that much. You know, against Man City, we really didn't show all that much either. And that was with both Damari Gray and Richarlison, who I would classify as probably two of our most creative players. So now we're going to have to do without them against Brentford in a match where I described it before as a must-win. We need to score goals in that game because you know, Brentford are looking pretty good going forward this season. They're going to create chances themselves. They're, they might score a couple of goals themselves. We need to outscore them in some capacity. So we're going, to, we're going to need to find a way to get the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, it just makes it that much harder without the likes of Damari Gray and Richarlison. You're expecting Salomon Rondon will probably step into the team. You know, I asked Rafa Benitez after the game yesterday whether he thought Rondon was ready. And he seemed quite confident that Rondon would be ready to step up and be into the, be in the side. Uh, you imagine Alex Iwobi is going to come in. That leaves a front three then of, what, Anthony Gordon, Salomon Rondon and Alex Iwobi. Uh, for, for what it for what is a must win game, all all of whom I think Iwobi is the only one who scored this season. He scored against Wolves in the league and he scored against Huddersfield in the cup. Rondon hasn't got a goal. Gordon hasn't got a goal. Gordon's still not scored for the senior side at all, has he? So it's if yeah, it just makes things look a little bit more bleak, doesn't it? But you know, stranger things have happened. You know, maybe the, maybe they'll all just conspire to each score a hat trick against Brentford. Who knows? I I can only hope. <laughs> 
I think a lot of people might have just uh, turned the, the podcast off after even after. <laughs> Adam mentions the the question he asked Rafa Benitez yesterday, Preno, about Solomon Rondon, and and he did reply that he's he's confident he can start. Do you share that confidence? No, because I've not seen anything <laughs> there to uh, to you know sort of instill that confidence in me. You know, so maybe Rafa's seen a little bit more on the training pitch. I mean, there was a moment in the second half yesterday where he got the ball on the right channel and tried to out-sprint. I forget who was marking him, uh, but, you know, whoever was, like, you know, up, up in opposition to him, he tried to knock the ball to the touchline and go on a run to outpace him and get across him. I'm just, you know, what, what are you thinking? You know, so you've heard that phrase, know your players, where you try and play to the strength of you know, your, your players' strengths, but you know your own capabilities as well. And he must have known he wasn't going to be able to out-sprint out somebody. So, you know, just keep possession and try, you know, sort of, you know, retain the ball. It was, it was just strange. I mean, has he had a shot on target? Yes, I'm not sure he has. There was like one header maybe against somebody a couple of weeks ago that drifted into the goalkeeper's arms. We've seen nothing yet to suggest that he's going to be uh, a threat in front of goal. Uh, I know when he went to, to Newcastle three years ago, he took quite a while to get up to full match fitness. And then when he did, he was very effective. But that was three years ago. And, uh, you know, so since then, he's been in a, you know, a different, you know, sort of culture, a different league, where I'm guessing the intensity level is significantly down on what it is in the Premier League. And yeah, he's had a few months now to try and get that level of fitness up. So hopefully he'll be a little bit, you know, sort of closer to what he should be. But no, I've seen nothing yet uh, to indicate that I should be optimistic about him breaking his duck uh, sort of down at Brentford next week. I mean, the forward, the front three, it's going to have to be him, Ron Donatar, uh, him, Townsend and Anthony Gordon, because, you know, there's literally nobody else, unless you're going to play Alex Iwobi. And, you know, let, let's not go down that road about, you know, battering him as much as we can because, you know, he, he's just frustrated every time I've seen him, despite the two goals he scored this season. Actually, no, there were a couple of occasions earlier this season where he did look okay, where he looked quite bright and quite tidy. But recently, no, he's been right off the boil spectacularly. And uh, he, was, he, was, he was the most frustrating of them all, I thought, yesterday. And that says something when you're given how bad most people's performances were in most positions. Another player who kind of has been off the pace recently, Bees, and there's been a lot of talk around his form. Luca Dean, he's obviously yeah. a, a world-class player on his day and a, and a full yeah. French international and, and a player who, Jordan, his time and Everton has been linked with big money moves away, one of them being Man City in the last couple of years. But Sutton just not quite clicking for, for Dean at the moment. And I do feel sorry for him in the respect that he wasn't getting too much cover from Damari Gray before he went off. Then he goes off, the, you know, a, a substitute comes on, the wingers swap sides. But both going forward and on the back foot this season, it, it definitely it hasn't been the same Luca Dean that we've been used to seeing at Goodison Park. No, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because, I mean, um, he signed that new contract, everyone was made up. Um, a terrific pedigree coming into the, the, you know, the club. Um, look at who we played for previously, you know, at PSG, Roma, Barcelona, you know, ticked all the boxes. And, you know, after having somebody like Leighton Baines being the incumbent left-back for so many years, it was such a tough act to follow. But, you know, he came in seamlessly and uh, like the, the worthy successor to one, you know, the, arguably the best left-back of the modern era for, for Everton. So it was like happy days, you know, he's at the peak of his powers, you'd think given that his stage of the career he, he's at now, you know, he should be, you know, producing his best football. But over the last few months, yeah, you say 
both from an attacking point of view and, and defending. He's been struggling at both ends of the park. So that you know, that's a concern he has certainly got, you know, the, the quality, there's no doubt in his pedigree or his ability. But for whatever reason that that form isn't there. Concerning the weight when he was doing well and he was that great supply line for Dominic Calvert Lewin. It's almost like he didn't think he'd just get in there, he'd get the crosses in, and you know, you know, his ability would ensure that they were it was a quality supply line for the centre forward. Now I don't know. He's, he he almost seems to be hesitating at times. In my um, from what I've seen, he's I'm thinking, oh, just take an extra second or drag it back or do something else rather than just keeping it simple and playing to his strengths because you know he's a his great supply line for the centre forward. Okay, at the moment you haven't got that. That number nine in there um, to get on the the end of things, but I don't know. He just seems to be overthinking and a bit hesitant at times. And I, I, I know he's got, he's got just got to play his way back into form. And I think best way about it is just, just sort of playing off the cuff and playing instinctively because that's where he, he seems to do well. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's only a kick, a jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Just want to stick with you for for a moment, bees. For for anyone yeah. who might not be uh, reading the news today, uh, I believe you've yeah. got a a nice Tony Hibbert tale. To, to warm yeah. our cold hearts. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's, it's certainly the feel-good story of the day for Everton. Um, <laughs> yes, sticking on full-backs and sticking on on fronts. Yeah, um, Tony Hibbert, of course. Um, famously, you know, one of these uh, one-club players, spent his entire professional career at his beloved Blues, but, you know, hasn't been in the game for five and a half years now. Was sensationally come out of um, retirement, um, having, um, you know, hung up his boots and... Um, Bought, uh, I think it was like a, a carp lake over there in France where do his, his, his fishing. And he's now very much a big fish in a, a small pond, uh, having signed for a French <laughs> amateur club. So, you know, who knows at that level? He might even score a goal or two. <laughs> <laughs> any 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 of us planning a trip over to France to watch FC Lousy? Uh, hopefully they're called Lousy and not FC Lousy. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> the best president, I don't think. Well, he fancies himself as a bit of a francophone, so I'll put the ball on his court. I think it's got to be a great shout, that. Yeah, I'd love to go over there and just do like a nice colour piece with him and life in France. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll willingly pick up that. <laughs> Would you go fishing with him? Absolutely. I've only been fishing once in my life. It's, not, it's fair to say I've never really got the bug. It's all right, you know. So I sat on the riverbank for like a few hours, and surrounded by nature. Yeah, it's decent enough. <laughs> big, big fan of uh, Bob Mortimer's, you know, so show on television, you know, and uh, you know, talking about life, you know, so while you're watching the world go by, fishing. So yeah, I can see myself spending a few hours doing that. Thanks, Last time I went fishing, I fell in the lake at Waltmore Park. There's, there's an exclusive for you. That's a that's a, di- that's a dirty lake to fall in as well. My my only fishing story that I can I can tell you is that we are, my first ever goldfish was called Percy and I came home from school one day and he wasn't there and I was like to my mum and dad where's Percy and they were like oh he got too big for the tank we've we've let him free into Waltmore Park and honest to God it only hit me about eighteen months ago that the fish died I fully like used to go to Walton Park and be like to my mum there's Percy just on some random fish so I've got the best track record. 
We'll, so we'll think the journalists uh, aren't gullible and are very, very cynical people. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> evidence to otherwise. Well, to, to take the to take the talk away from Man City, but I'll come to you and I'll finish another question for Adam. But going into the game and and they, they did win yesterday, considering they they're continuing their resurgence under Antonio Conte. They were reporting the in the press this week saying that Antonio Conte has made Jordan Pickford one of his main Tottenham targets. I know we've spoken a lot about yeah. Jordan Pickford on this podcast, and I know you've always been a fan. Would there be the temptation, though, from Rafa Benitez with the financial fair play regulations looming? If, for a player we signed for £30 million, if he was now worth 50 60 with two years remaining on his deal, would there be the temptation from Everton to perhaps cash in? I would hope not. I mean, you know, we briefly touched on this uh, in the preview uh, pod last week, and I think we came to the conclusion, or I did, that you know, so no, I don't think you should be trying to think down that road, because, say for argument's sake, it was fifty million or sixty million. Uh, you're going to have to spend a significant chunk of that to find a like-for-like replacement, and even that's a gamble because you know you're going to have to pick a player who's like you know, so young and likely to improve, you know, so and probably spend a little bit less money on him. And then what can you get with the money that's left? You know, so obviously you can improve other areas of the squad. But, you know, it's something that we're going to have to countenance sometime further down the line. You know, maybe Richarlison, if somebody comes in and makes like a big offer for him, uh, just to try and overcome the financial fair play predicament that we find ourselves in. But for me, goalkeeper is such a key part uh, of a football team. If, if you know, It's so important to get that right if you're going to be, you know, a, a team... Uh, aspiring to any kind of success in the future i think we have got it right you know we've got england's full international goalkeeper has been for you know so several seasons now uh he's improving still and crucially he's maturing still at the moment as well and we're seeing you know uh, a better level of consistency from him than maybe we you know so we ever had at any time during his career uh so you know i'm, I'm completely comfortable with uh, with jordan pickford and i don't think we should be looking to try and cash in on him I mean, would Conte make that kind of offer? I don't know. You know, so have Tottenham got that kind of uh, you know sort of wealth in reserve? I'm not so sure they have. So no, for me, it's not not a go at all. I think we should you know sort of sit tight with that. And right, how we try and uh, free up funds uh, to give the manager suspend? I don't know, but I don't think we should be doing it by trying to sell our goalkeeper. Well, there's a message for you, Antonio Conte. If you're listening, hands off our <laughs> hands off our boy Jordan Pickford. Adam, for anyone who wants to potentially watch Everton win tonight, a, a nice boost for the under-23 team. They're playing at Goodison Park against Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, anyone you're looking forward to seeing? Well, fingers crossed we might get to see you know a few a few of the lads who uh, some have been calling to uh, get some more first-team minutes. I would expect that Ellis Sims might might get a run out tonight because he's you know he's 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 fit again. He does need to get himself. Uh, some match minutes before you know, potentially being allowed out on loan in the January transfer window. Now that he's got his new contract, uh, you know, even the likes of Tyler Onyango after being given his Premier League debut yesterday, you know, that was that was probably the one positive that you can take out of it. You know, it's not probably not the nicest game for him to get his Premier League debut in, but you know, after recovering from such a long term injury, uh, it was a nice moment for him to get onto the pitch uh, in the Premier League for the first time. Uh, yeah. Getting in ahead of uh, Jean Philippe Gabamon as well, which is you know a fairly interesting point in itself, and it probably <laughs> probably raises a question about where, where Gabamon's future lies. But uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, the likes of 
Onyango starting tonight. Uh, you know, Lewis Dobbin is probably, you know, he's not been on the bench over the last couple of weeks, thanks to, uh, thanks in no small part, I would imagine, to Ellis Sims getting himself fit again. But you would imagine that Lewis Dobbin's going to be uh, on the bench as well. But yeah, it's, as I say, I think it's a, it's quite an exciting group of under 23 so far this year. I mean, obviously, you've not started the campaign amazingly well, you know, especially at the in the first couple of weeks and months they were they were struggling to pick up victories but i think that was just the fact that they are they're essentially at the beginning beginning of a new cycle they're a very young team uh, a lot of them were playing under 18s football very recently so they're all just getting used to the level but i think now they're starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm where they're finding they're finding themselves in that level so fingers crossed this is the this is the start of them you know pushing forwards and hopefully getting some first team minutes. Obviously, there's a lot of them in a senior training recently. The you know the ones that have mentioned the likes of Elijah Campbell's in first first team training quite regularly. Uh, Reese Welch is in first team training fairly regularly. Carl John, Ryan Astley. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of exciting young talent in these twenty uh, threes at the minute. So yeah, playing at Goodison will be nice for them tonight. And fingers crossed uh, they can get a they can get a win against Brighton and hopefully. Uh, push away, push away the uh, the senior results of the weekend. Well, lads, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, when we discuss the Brentford game this time next week, we're all in a lot shapier mood, and hopefully, the front three that we named before do get the hat tricks that Adam mentioned. But we will be late back later on in the week to build up to that game. I'm sure there'll have been a lot more twists and turns at Goodison Park. Hopefully, a few more players are fit and firing and ready to move Everton up the table. You can find the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook or you can find the lads and follow them on Twitter. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.